0: This is Ride the Swell. My name is Brittany Parker. And the music that you just heard is from my friend Eric Hallberg. Forgive me, Eric, if I pronounced your last name wrong. Uh, He's with the band Dragon Deer, and that's one of their songs. It's called When I See You. Uh, But he put that together for me, uh, especially for this podcast. We met through the Colorado River River Surfing Association, and I mean, we know each other through our shared love of river surfing, so be sure to show them some love. Band's name again is Dragon Deer. Thanks again, Eric, for that. All right, so today is the first interview, and I'm interviewing Ryan Roberts. He lives in Bend, Oregon, and he's the wave shaper there. If you don't know what wave shaping is, that's okay. No worries. Um, He tells us everything we need to know and he's got a very unique perspective seeing communities go from from nothing to exploding and he deals with a lot of different challenges being the wave shaper. And uh, it's really, really cool to hear his perspective. I'm really excited about this interview and this podcast. And I really hope you guys like it. Please, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to leave them in the comments section. There will also be more information in the details below. So um, check it out. And without further ado, I give you Ryan okay yeah awesome okay you ready
1: i'm ready let's do it
0: okay all right so i'm here with ryan richard also known on social media as ryan ricardo <laughs> um, thanks for coming on the podcast and being my first interview e
1: of course of course i'm stoked to be here yeah
0: so i just want to I want to start off with a bit of an introduction just let I don't actually know that much about like where you're from um so maybe just tell the audience where you're from and where you are now and what you do for a living
1: okay perfect perfect yeah um I grew up in a little town in north Idaho beautiful town called Coeur d'Alene um and uh pretty much spent most of my childhood in Idaho, uh, which is a rad state covered in rivers, Um, and um, obviously had a love of water from the get-go. I'm pretty sure I was um, swimming in pools before I could walk, Um, and and fast forward to 30-some-odd years later, and I live in another great town in Central Oregon called Bend, Um, also have some great rivers around here. And I currently work as the uh, adjustable whitewater parks uh, operator or wave shaper. Um, And I've been doing that for about three years.
0: Yeah. So, um, so what's your connection to surfing? Did you start surfing in the ocean or was your first time surfing in the rivers?
1: Yeah. um, First time was in the ocean. Um, You know, growing up in, in North Idaho, obviously not really close to any ocean or much, uh, surf culture whatsoever. Um, I, I had a weird draw to it and maybe it was a draw that most people have towards that culture and palm trees and beaches and sunny weather. But I remember as back as I can having this kind of fascination with, with surfing and, and everything that went with it, but it was, um, it, it always kind of seemed like an unattainable unattain, fantasy kind of, you know, like, like I love to think about it and dream about it, but um, it just kind of, it kind of somehow knew deep in my mind that I felt like I never was going to obtain it, which is kind of weird looking back. But um, <clears throat> so, so um, I really didn't get into actually surfing until um, quite a bit later when I was, um, <clears throat> let's see, Gosh, I was, I believe, eighteen, seventeen or eighteen. Uh, the first time I started messing around in the ocean, and it happened to be on the Oregon coast. Um, I had a friend who lived in Portland, and uh, we jet out there, and neither of us had really any experience whatsoever <laughs> with ocean surfing. And if you've ever surfed the Oregon coast, it's uh, it's no joke, especially in the winter. The waves are big and the water is cold the currents are strong and of course there's uh I think a few white sharks hanging out around there (laughs) um but despite that me and my buddy um went out and just paddled our way out mostly just got slammed on the head with huge waves but um I think really developed a um a connection well not a connection we for me I guess I, I realized that Oh, wow. Like, I, this might be something I could actually do. And I obviously have a passion for it because I knew that I was just freezing my ass off and, and probably in a lot more danger than I even realized. But uh, I knew that I loved it and I kept doing it. Uh, <laughs> so um, I did that for a couple of winters. And then um, <clears throat> my buddy Primus, um, who happens to be the wave shaper in Boise right now. Um, and I started, started spending some time together back in Idaho and, um, this was in the period, um, just prior to the Boise whitewater park being developed, um, and built. Um, but primus had spent some time in a area that, that there was a wave right on the Boise river, um, before my arrival. And he had actually gotten to surf that. And when I got there, that wave wasn't, uh, Surfable anymore, but we both just started like w- literally sitting down with maps and looking at big rivers that were like accessible or adjacent to large highways within Idaho and um, kind of just started. You know, we had a rudimentary idea of checking like flows on gauges and stuff, but uh, we kind of just started driving around with some surfboards and wetsuits. And uh, I believe the first time we did it, it was in like November. And some of the weirdest looks I've ever got in my life were from Idahoans driving on the highway, uh, mostly farmers, and you know, well, there's all sorts of people there, but just looking at two guys standing on the side of the road, hopping over a guardrail with snow on the ground and like wetsuits in hand and surfboards in hand, it was uh, it made for some curious looks. <laughs> uh, <I bet. laughs> so Anyways, we um, didn't really have much success. It's not like we scouted and found any new waves. But just throughout that period, um, we started researching a lot more. Primus definitely had this incredible just drive towards this, and it was, it was pretty contagious um, for myself. And we just started researching and finding out that, like, this was an actual thing and people had been doing it. And, um, you know, there were – actual areas and waves that uh, that's when we first found out like oh a noted wave with you know if this flow will work for surfing and we saw pictures of people doing it and it was like wow this is this is awesome and um fast forward a little bit i kind of diverted from that and shot out to atlanta georgia to work as a paramedic which was a totally uh like a whole little life within uh, itself. It was a crazy period. But um, needless to say, even though I happened to be close to a, a sweet wave, a sweet man-built wave actually on the Chattahoochee in Columbus, um, I didn't know that at the time, but uh, needless to say, my surfing career was kind of put on a hiatus and um, <clears throat> basically what happened was I was working... I had actually left Atlanta, and I was working on an oil field as a paramedic, like for a, a contracted safety crew for the rig hands. And I was making like over a hundred thousand dollars a year. I was only working six months a year, and um, <clears throat> it was the worst job of my entire life. <laughs>
0: wow. It was the most
1: money I've it was the most money I've ever made, but it was also the worst job. And uh, I was mm. like out in the middle of nowhere, just totally isolated. And was pretty much living for my, I'd worked two weeks on and then two weeks off. And I was just living for that two weeks off. It was not a healthy um, mindset or career. Um, But I was basically, I was actually uh, doing that job. And then I was, (laughs) happened to be in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, I was helping my parents out with some, some health stuff there. And hold on one second and anyways, Primus calls me up, and he's like, dude, and I, I've been following, during this time they were building the Boise Whitewater Park, I should interject that, so um, <clears throat> around the, I don't even know what month it was, it was springtime, but Primus called me up, and he's like, dude, there's a job opening for the Wave Shaper at the Boise Whitewater Park, and I knew he had been surfing a lot about it, he'd been talking to me a lot about it, but this just popped out of nowhere. And I was like, well, tell me a little bit about it. And he's like, I don't know, you know, really anything, but we both have to apply and one of us has to get it. And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds good. That sounds good. So um, anyways, I <clears throat> ended up doing a phone interview with the city of Boise Park and Rec Department and um, somehow like got offered the job against like five or six locals, including Primus, and, um, I had a really crazy freak out of a day because I'd been offered this job and it sounded great. And I was really stoked about it. Primus was just freaking out that I had got offered the job, but the catch was, was, uh, I would be making $9 an hour and I would only be allowed to work, uh, 20 hours a week. That was all that the city park and rec department could budget for Um so like that was obviously a big contrast to what I was used to. My parents were like, Are you kidding me? Like do do not go operate like in their eyes, oh, do not go operate an amusement park for, you know, a fifth of what you're making right now. That's so stupid. Ryan, you're an adult, they're trying to do the guild trip on me, of course. (laughs) And uh and I just had this like crazy 24 hours where I just felt like I was making this really, really insane life decision, even though it seems obvious now. I was like, man, am I just going back and forth? Am I doing this right? Am I I making a huge mistake? What am I doing? What am I doing? Primus of course is calling you like every 10 minutes. Like you got it. You got it. You got it. It's good. (laughs) Come live in my garage. Come live in my garage. it will be fine. I'll take care of you. And, uh, (laughs) and, anyways, just like pretty much without knowing if it was going to be the worst decision of my life or what, I just, I said, yeah. And I did that. And I went there and I literally moved into Primus's garage and with his wife and his new baby, I'm sure that uh, his wife was super stoked about that. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> and, um, and that kind of, she was actually awesome. It was great uh, <laughs> but um that kind of turned into like the beginning of of wave shaping and my fascination with waves because the you know the guy like when I went into Boise, he was checked out of it he was a he was a kayaker, a really good kayaker, but i I think he was over the whole idea of it i I think when he first got that job, he thought probably the same thing I was thinking, which was, well, I have the controls to this adjustable wave and um that's awesome now all my friends can come down and I can make waves for them. but uh I think looking back like his demeanor when he was kind of transferring the job over to me was a, that of someone who was really uh I think he was pretty burned on the on the position so we can talk about that more later but yeah <laughs> uh, um anyways he uh transitioned it over and I just started I just started spending, like, even though I was only getting paid for working 20 hours a week there, I was there probably, like, 50 to 60 hours a week. And I was just fascinated by – and this was, like, when I first got on there, I think it was late fall, I want to say. But uh, regardless, there wasn't much flow, and there was very little users. Um, and anyway, that was just, like I, – I, it was, like, the best – the best sweetest toy I'd ever had. Like I could just sit there for hours at a time solo with no one in the water. And just, even if I wasn't making anything usable or, uh, you know, for surfing or kayaking, it was just like, it was fascinating. I was, I couldn't, I couldn't not go there. I was there till dark, like many nights. And, uh, <coughs> um, that was like kind of how it all, it all started and, got going
0: that's that's really uh, cool that's a great story. I had no idea
1: <laughs> I, uh, that, yeah, that, that was kind of the, that was kind of the, like weird way that it happened yeah,
0: yeah, I love it um, and just for <laughs> just for the people that don't know what wave shaping is like explain explain to them what what it is that you do um, in order to adjust yeah. it and what the mechanics are. Um, with this adjustable wave because there's there's all different kinds of man-made waves some are adjustable some are not and um, I just want to differentiate for some people what that what the kind of way that yeah. you're working with is.
1: Yeah sure so yeah like you said there's there's been um, man-made waves for for whitewater play features that mostly I think mostly start out with um, play boating, but even downriver stuff, um, you know, putting features in a river to make a little rapid that people can run. Um, and that's evolved over time to make, uh, more specific <clears throat> parks and waves that have like, you know, static designs that are made to make a, a certain wave, you know, like we want this big green faced wave, or we want to make this hole um, or this hydraulic, um, and eventually, it, that evolved to the point of people. Oh, well, I should back up. Um, at that stage, when they were completely static, you know, the flow of the river was really the only thing that dictated uh, how the features worked um, for users. And usually, that was not controlled by the same people that ran the park. You know, it's, it's a dam upstream, or it's runoff. It's just natural. You know, any of the above. Um, so then they started um kind of introducing i wouldn't say like full adjustability but like maybe um diversion canals to kind of adjust that flow um going over a static feature or they would um put like flash gates or or kind of like a little a dam, a little mini dam upstream from the park so you could adjust stuff uh but then by the time it got to boise um it, you know and it, it wasn't the first but um, they really introduced like um, full adjustability right under the wave, like right under the the tongue, the trough, and the even behind the crest of the wave, um, with uh, you know the ability to adjust in real time um, using big gates, like big steel gates. Um, and most most of those have come from a company called Obermeyer, and they make those gates for like usually really rural um, canal um, applications. Like, way out in the middle of nowhere, there's a little irrigation canal with 200 CFS, and there's, like, one gate that um, can lift up and down, and someone, like, can remotely control that from, you know, another state uh, to let a certain flow of water. And that's how it started. And then, you know, someone along the way, I don't know, I could probably maybe guess, but (laughs) someone along the way was, like, be really really useful to shape a wave in real time, like using that gate to change the contours right under or next to or behind or in front of the actual wave. So that's kind of, um, that's kind of what uh, happened with Boise. And and they were kind of, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't think they were the first, but they were um, definitely revolutionary in the way that they implemented both those, those floodgates from Obermeyer and then also like, basically put another hydraulic platform underneath those gates to kind of work in unison. So um, ultimately it just gave me that really versatile, really adjustable um, tool that you got, you have, you have a river running over and um, you can sit there on the bank with the computer and watch it in real time as you adjust, you know, adjust the water flowing over. So, um, and then I guess you could also argue that the, so like where we're at now today is is um, a combination like, uh, for example, the Bend Whitewater Park. It's a combination of um, kind of all of those adjustable features, you know, controlling. You have diversionary dams. You have controlling the water from upstream, like just upstream of the park. You, you control the influx of water. You're controlling um, the shape under the trough of the wave, under the tongue of the wave. Um, all of that, and then the the kicker with, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> the kicker with Ben's uh, Whitewater Park is they have active tailwater adjustment, which means there's gates, without getting too into Ben's Whitewater Park, there's four sequential waves, and each wave has a pool behind it, and you have gates that can control the level or the depth of those pools, and that, um, for people who know how river waves work, um, that is one of the the biggest influence influencers of how a wave works is the tailwater height. So, um, you know, sorry, I'm not trying to get too. too
0: no, this people, is great. That's,
1: yeah. That's a cool, cool feature that Ben has. So I would imagine that, you know, in the future that, that'll, we'll see more of that. Um, cause it's, it, yeah. Yeah. So, um,
0: so is it easier to have, that? is it easier to have a more consistent wave, in Bend than it is in Boise because of that ability to adjust the tailwaters.
1: Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that's exactly how it affects it. But the tailwater is a really nice and really useful um, tool, but there's some other differences between Bend and Boise that I would say um, would alter the consistency. Um, do you want me to go into that? It's kind of a, a few different things. Do you want me to?
0: Uh, Sure. Yeah. Just, just briefly.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Gosh. Yeah. I mean, (sighs) Boise, Boise has a lot more variety in its flows, like throughout the year, they go from as as low as 200 cubic feet per second up to like 10,000. And it varies a lot and it stays at a bunch of different levels throughout the year. So that gives you a lot more variety there. Um, Bend, is on the Deschutes river and it's like one of the most consistent dam controlled rivers. Um, I think in the country or, uh, maybe even beyond that. Um, it's very, very, like you can look back over the last 30 years and it's just the exact same bell curve. It bottoms out around like, let's see, 500 CFS and it tops out at maybe like 1800, 2000. So it's just super consistent. So that. I would say as a bigger factor in consistency with with Ben's wave,
0: right? Yeah, like that. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um,
0: and so with Boise, you would have to. I know that there is an alternation between kayaking and surfing, like whether or not the the wave was a good for a kayaking day or or um, good for surfing, and how yeah. how did that work like did you did you see any challenges with that did was there like did it get to a point where people were fighting over wave time and and uh like what yeah. were the politics like with that
1: yeah i mean um <laughs> yeah where do i start that there's there was a massive uh grind or like he- there's massive headbutting between user groups um, for sure um, and like you said, with Boise, it was difficult because there was just usually just one feature in at a time. And to go back to that guy who handed over the Boise Whitewater Park to me, he had basically like, um, he had basically found a wave that was, it was a wave that you could stand on, on a surfboard. You could surf it on a kayak, but it was kind of in the middle. So it wasn't really great for either one. It was just kind of mediocre for both. And that's kind of the the way he had been doing it, just every day um so that was the that was what the population of that park was used to when i came into the park um but then i think naturally what happened was i obviously wanted to like find more stuff have my own personal bias towards uh surfing i wanted to find more like just just better ways for surfing and and kayaking as well um instead of doing this thing so that just led into this yeah dynamic of you start making really good surf waves you start making really good kayak waves and um, it it was just crazy i don't even know how to get into it the the political nature of it but it was just so people were so 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 passionate about it and in a good way obviously that they love the sport that they do but um, it just it, it was also is really difficult because <laughs> another thing that made it tricky was the fact that there's seven days in the week, you know, <laughs> <difficult. Yeah. laughs> just, yeah, just, little of that was such a, such a hard thing because people were so like in a way possessive. And I think another thing that led into that with Boise and to a degree with Ben as well is, is, surfing was this new thing um, that, you know, when, when they originally built the Boise whitewater park and I, I think just about all whitewater parks before that, it was, very much kayak centric, um, um, you know, play voters and kayakers, they, they funded it, they supported it. They were, you know, going to all the meetings while the park was being built, you know, so they really felt this sense of ownership and and pride, which they should have. I mean, they, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have, um, a lot of these parks, which is great. Um, but then you get this introduction to these surfers and it was the total, dynamic that you see all the time, like skateboarders versus rollerbladers and snower, uh, skiers versus snowboarders. And uh, you could definitely sense that right from the right from the get-go, like a super, just uh, just you, when you were talking to a kayaker holding a surfboard under your arm, they, they had a wall up for sure. A lot of them did. I, I shouldn't generalize that much because there's rad people in the river and any craft, but uh, it was it was crazy. I, I was not expecting that aspect of that job when I, when I came into it and it's,
0: yeah.
1: it's been probably the biggest aspect of my job from then continued on like through today. So yeah. It's, it's pretty nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Would you say that that's, uh, that's the biggest challenge to your job?
1: Um, yeah. That, yeah, that's, I mean, there's lots of really hard things and challenging things with, um, just the vast nature of it. Like I have, I, I deal with so many different people all the time, especially now in Bend, um, because of the other st- stuff that the park does. It's it's a lot of juggling things, but definitely the the hardest thing is is that political nature. And in the beginning, uh, my goal is always to like, you know, dissolve it and like and like melt it out or like support one or support both. Like I. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is in the beginning, I was, maybe I was trying more to keep the two sides like peaceful in a way. And um, it's kind of transformed into just like, I really, really try and public side to not like acknowledge it even almost like if someone wants to talk about it, I'll talk to them about it, but I don't like to ever even just bring that, topic up, because everyone knows about it, this us-versus-them kind of mentality and going both directions. Um, So, like, I'm not doing a great job of explaining this, but...
0: (laughs) No, you um, are. I mean, I think the the answer to it would just be to have a feature for kayaking and a feature for river surfing and have those exist simultaneously um, within the same park, you know? That's, like, the only way you could really balance that
1: out. That help. that helps for sure. Yeah. Um and yeah, having that kind of going on in the definitely definitely helps, but there's still so many and I don't want to generalize, but I mean there's there are like a lot of people. I don't know if it's just like there's an unusually high percentage in this type of community, like a whitewater community, I guess, maybe cuz they're very passionate, but it it just you'd think just having both ways at the same time would would completely fix it. But I mean, just the fact that like people know that I surf uh, pretty much exclusively, um, like I still get, I still get flack. Like I'll still talk to a a playboater and just have them be like, Oh, you know, you and your surfy buddies, you know, you guys like this, but, and, and just talk to me like I'm an idiot. Like I don't know how to read water and look at water. I don't know what a good, playbook feature is like, I, I always take that super personally and it's hard to, it's hard to get away from that with certain people. Um, Cause they're just, there is a sense of like, there's tribalism to it for sure. It's, and there's, there's pride, I guess. And, um, <clears throat> but uh, that all being said, like, I, I think, and also what I was trying to say earlier was I was, I was really focused on trying to, um, keep the two at bay, like actively, I was trying to I was trying to be like this um what is the word I'm looking for
0: like a diplomat <sighs> <guess> kind of <laughs> yeah
1: for sure but yeah like an active intermediary like to where I was really kind of like trying to show both sides how to work together I honestly to be honest I felt like I was um a kid like five years old dealing with between like my two divorced parents. Like, seriously, that's what it was like, like trying to stick up for both of them, trying to like communicate between the two of them. And, um, what it's, I I don't think that was very effective in the end is my point of saying that. And, um, nowadays I'd much more try to like, take this, not a passive approach, but just being an ambassador for like positivity and like inclusiveness and just like, like I was trying to say earlier, not even almost not even acknowledge that it's a thing. And that seems to be way more effective in, um, in, go, in, in helping that go away. And when it, when it does come up, like in a group of people we're talking, that like issue comes up It's it's just like, almost like you dismiss it and just kind of, or transcend it and move forward And it. That seems to be super effective in my, in my experience.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: at least more so than the person in between going back and forth. Being like, oh no! Hey, they're cool. They like to. They just like the river too, and well, they just like the river. It just didn't work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, because the, the thing with the the river surfers, especially in a place where a wave has been built, is that. Yes, the kayakers are the reason that it's there because there was no surfing there was no surfing community before that because surfer, river surfing is very limited as far as um sure. like where you can do it and um and just essentially where you can do it it's really limited so so once those yeah, once those waves are built, it starts creating that community and then um, it creates river surfers, right? Like there, where there were never a community exactly. or a town is full of all these people that w- didn't identify as river surfers before the wave was built. But now that the wave is built, there's a significant number of people that now identify as river surfers and now will fight for um, that wave and having that accessibility, you know?
1: Exactly yeah
0: yeah and it's and it's river surfing's just it's it can be a little bit more of an accessible thing for the general public just because um it's a lot easier to just jump onto a board and and surf a wave versus like jumping into a kayak and having to learn to roll and everything like that so the community and kayaking grows much slower whereas um the river surfing community if you have a good wave it can grow so fast um because it's sure. just it's, so so much more accessible and so like you've seen it grow you've seen it start from nothing to to blowing up like bend is just blown up
1: yeah oh yeah it's it's crazy and boise boise did the same thing as soon as i figured out a couple of good waves yeah it it blew up. And the the crazy thing is for spectators, um, you know, I think probably, you know, especially people who live in a place like Idaho or Bend or something you're covered with, you know, or it's, it's covered by all sorts of like outdoor athletes. Um, you know, the, the common person who's not really knowledgeable about whitewater and rivers, they walk by and they see, um, someone in a kayak, you know, with all the gear on and stuff. And, they might, they don't know what it is, but they're just like, Oh yeah, that's one of those. It's like a river boater person. Oh, they're in a special like maneuver canoe thing, you know, it's yeah. like, but they kind of, that's kind of it. That's all it really does for them. And when someone walks by that same person who doesn't know much about whitewater or anything, and they see a person standing on a surfboard, they're just like, I mean, they're perplexed. They're like, what? And like just fascinated. And cause everyone knows what surfing is. And most everyone knows that that usually occurs in an ocean, like in Hawaii. And, and they see this person in Boise, Idaho or Bend, Oregon, like standing on a river on a surfboard. And they're just, just, just totally taken aback and fascinated. And I get, I mean, the questions I get, I mean, I, I've, I've literally, I sat on a bridge with a, a person talking about river surfing and literally looking at someone River surfing right in front of us in real life, and they just they can't even grasp it. They're like, "Well, which are they going up the river? Are they what's the river flowing like? How is they how is that happening? Is there a motor on there? Are they tied to the bottom? Like how does this work?" And uh and yeah, I mean, I just end up having like a twenty minute conversation about them, I and you get into whitewater parks and and all that stuff, and they're just it's people are super captive, and I think um that. Yeah, you just a lot of times when you see someone in a boat, you're just like, oh, that's that's a special like a whitewater thing, and that's kind of it. Um, you know, unless there's some just just badass thrown down, just hucking huge loops, that'll always draw a crowd. But um, you know, you see your average average playboater, it doesn't really it doesn't really do that. And I think that can also play into the the political atmosphere of it too. I think there's um, that that can tie into that if there is a negativity, like now it's like, Oh, these surf people came in and they're doing this. What are they even talking about? And now they're getting a lot of attention as well. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. And, um, yeah, just want, like another metric of just how I saw that in bend, um, not that, not the negativity part, but the fascination part, like nine out of 10 people when they're walking by that park, which for everyone listening, it has, arguably uh fifteen waves that are designed for kayaks. It's really technically three big ones, but there's twelve other little ones that are good. Um and there's one wave for surfing. And every single person that walks by when they when they say it, they're like, Oh, is this where the people surf? Is this the surf park? Is this the like there's there's no they just they just they're just drawn to that. I don't think people can help it. And <laughs> yeah. and that's uh that's okay
0: with me i guess i've noticed too like one of the reasons why kayakers can have some issues with with river surfers is is because they don't have like to learn to whitewater kayak you have to have like pretty strong knowledge about the river and gear and safety and you get a lot of people that jump into the river when they see someone surfing that um that don't know anything about the river and don't know what they're doing and maybe don't know what gear is right. And they just jump in, you know, like they were jumping into the ocean. And so I know Very how, true. I know that can be really frustrating for kayakers because if something were to happen, then, um, they're now, they now feel responsible for saving that person, you know? So, so that's, that's one true. thing right. that I, I, I think, um, should, that that needs to be talked about more and that needs to be emphasized. And I know Ben did a really good job about, uh, making sure that people knew about ankle leashes and stuff like that. And I know you don't surf, you don't surf with a leash still, right?
1: That is true. Only at skook.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Only at skook. Yeah. You need it at skook.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I stopped even last, um, I stopped surfing like even at pipeline on the lock side, you know, whatever I, yeah, I, I will never use Onyx unless it's 300 feet deep.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's super true. I mean, I, and I get that. And I, I hope I don't come across as like, or I hope I'm not perpetuating this, this us for them feeling, but I mean, it, it is, uh it's very true. There's so much more involved, not only financially, but just time and energy to, like you said, I mean, you don't, you don't just hop on a wave and start surfing it in a kayak. I mean, that's, that's like step 15 after you've invested the money and the time and the time and the time. And um, yeah. yeah. And, and I have to deal with it the same. I mean, I, there's a, there's a place now just across the river from Ben's park that rents surfboards and kayaks. And I mean, they probably have like, you know, a 17 year old like shop, like shop hand person renting out gear and it's like, Oh yeah, you want a surfboard? Sweet. Yeah, there you go. And you want a leash? Sweet. You've surfed before. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I surfed. Everyone's surfed and you ask them, but, uh, this is sweet. So what do I do? Just hop on and not, uh, and, and I mean, they don't even, they don't even know that they need to like swim into the eddy after they fall off the wave. They're just, I, I've watched that happen countless times. So I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is can, you're totally right for, for surfing, you know, in that regard, putting more experienced play in, in a bad spot. And I get why they, I get why they could get bummed out about that for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just having something that's like making something more accessible also means that it, it means, it also means that people are going to be more careless and that just goes hand in hand. Yeah. But, um, the best we can do is just, I think as, as people that are out there a lot is just educate people. And sometimes, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've tried to relay my knowledge to someone else surfing and it's met with um lots of frustration and annoyance and, and is not received well and but I did my part and and I think like for everyone else and everyone else who's listening, like if you know it's important if you're surfing rivers to like get the get the safety knowledge, take a swift water um rescue course if you can and um just learn why you know why leashes are dangerous on the river like why some people wear helmets and life jackets and and all the different and just learn about all the hazards that because rivers are just so different from the ocean and their hazards are 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 different and
1: um yeah they're kind of hidden aren't they like you can you can look at a a river even if not that big or not that powerful of one and it doesn't really look that scary but until you're hanging on the bottom by an ankle leash or whatever. It's like, wow. Yeah, they they definitely have some crazy dangers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so um we talked about some of the politics and stuff that you've dealt with um between kayakers and and surfers. But what about like what are some of the challenges you've had to deal with just with the surfing community being being the wave shaper?
1: Um yeah, so I think one of the hardest things, especially when you're talking adjustable waves, especially when you're talking adjustable waves, um, is they are amazing in what they can do. Like they, when the conditions are right and the flow of the river is right and the, the gates are in the right position, um, they make unbelievable waves for surfing. Like incredible. Like you'd be hard pressed to find much in nature that can compare with like what they're, what they're building nowadays. And probably, I mean, in the next five, 10 years, it's, they're just going to blow natural waves out of the water. I would imagine. Um, and one of the, one of the hard things that comes with that is when you give someone that and someone, I mean, like a community, something that good, um, you know, we're not at the point where we can, we, we haven't quite dialed in a freestanding adjustable river wave that just works 365 days a year and it, it, all, it all flows. Like, we just haven't made that yet. It's, it's really, really, really hard. Um, so <clears throat> um, when you give someone this really great wave and it works great and everyone comes out and it's, oh, my God, and everyone just falls in love with the sport in a matter of days. Um and then it goes away for whatever reason, you know. Um, then the hard thing is is they look right at you, the wave shaper guy, the guy adjusting it. Oh, well, obviously something must be wrong with him. He must not be doing it right because the wave sucks or the wave isn't like as good as it was yesterday. Um so and when you combine that with how how good it feels when it is working and how excited you get for that it's it's really hard to describe to people like all the variables that go into it and to like reinforce that. Yeah, I really am still working just as hard, if not harder at this point, because you know, the flow is too high and I'm having to do this or the flow is too low or whatever the, whatever the case may be. And I think people just don't want to hear it. It's not that they're being like abstinent or like, you know, (sighs) irrational. They just, they just don't want to hear that. They're like a kid on Christmas. And it's like, you're you're telling a kid, they can't open your present for whatever reason. They don't care what the reason is. They're like, why can't, why can't I? It's Christmas. So uh, that's definitely uh, a a tough, like tough thing to deal with. And it sounds like trivial and not like that big a deal. But when you start talking about hundreds or thousands of people, uh, it's, it can be kind of daunting to take, (laughs) take that on um, so yeah that's that's definitely a really hard thing and it's it, I, I can empathize with them because I love surfing as much or more than they do and I want it to work and I, I guess that's one of the things that bothers me a little bit on a personal level is like do do you not I, I want to say, say to these people I don't ever say it but it's like do you not think I'm doing like everything within my power to make this like do you not see me out there every single day surfing my face off like do you not think if i could make this face good right now i would and they still just want to question me It's like well I, I don't know what to tell you then uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's challenging for sure um and and mostly just because i feel it too like i'm with them like i totally get their frustration and it sucks but uh unfortunately right now where we're at we just can't um we can't we can't make that perfect wave that just works nonstop, you know, unless you're using. Well, there's there's kind of we're getting closer, but uh, yeah, we're not quite there. So.
0: But I also think um, I kind of think that's good in a way, just because, I mean, it it makes it feel more like ocean surfing in that sense where. And, and surfing yeah. natural river waves is like you can't have it perfect all the time. And if you do, you start to take it for granted and not really appreciate how good you really have it. And so I think that's the beautiful part of, of ocean surfing is that it's it's never going to be perfect and good all the time. And so when it is good, you have to take advantage of it and you really like soak in every every ride, you know. And so uh, I, I think uh, that's good, personally.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I do too. I agree. I don't. I, I don't think. And I've actually had a conversation with a select couple of people, uh, specifically in band that we definitely agree with what you're saying too. That it almost it could almost be bad if this, like, for instance, this wave just was flawless, like 365 days a year. Um, but I think with how good it can get, we're already almost kind of at that point because, yeah, instead of being, when it is like that, people are enjoying it, but the, the sense of gratitude isn't there. I think when you're, when you're like on a natural wave in the ocean or the river and it's essentially the environment and god or whatever you want to say is controlling it it's completely out of your control once you accept that then you just you can't have anything else but gratitude and even if you only get a split second of like this sheer bliss of standing on it it's still so powerful and it's like you put all all this all these things towards it and and the environment did everything to like bring this moment to you and yeah i think we're already i guess what i'm saying is i think we're already dipping into that realm of like making it too good to where people <laughs> instead of being grateful become entitled. And as soon as, as soon as, you know, the waves over, instead of, um, instead of thinking about and appreciating what they just had they're they're looking at me in this instance and going, why isn't it that today? And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's such a weird way that it like plays on the human psyche. I think, uh, it's, it's just a, an amazing, like, Phenomenon that happens yeah yeah uh, i don't know the job i mean, that but, no you
0: did yeah um, that's great yeah um it's crazy do you think like if you didn't have this job would you still be holding on to or living somewhere where you could river surf or or would you be would you rather be like close i know you probably it's hard to imagine because you would have had you might still be at that other job in georgia but like if you were to go or if you were to like quit your job now and then you had the choice, you could stay in Ben, you could surf that wave or you could go somewhere else where there's a really good river wave, or you could go to the coast and, and surf the ocean all the time. Would you, do you know if you would, what you would choose? Like, is there one that you like, do you like the ocean better than the river or vice versa?
1: That's a good question. Um, I thought you were just saying it first, like would I, would I if I wasn't in the field of surfing in general? Would I like if I had a different job? Would I still surf for fun? I thought that's what you're saying first. I was like, well, yeah, of mm-hmm. course I would. <laughs> but,
0: that goes with that. Same. Yeah, if I had a,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, if uh, that's a really good question. I think I would probably have to say the ocean. That's not because, um, I think it's any better than river surfing or any i mean it's still surfing but uh honestly i'd choose that because i'd say 90 percent of my surfing experience has been on rivers and i mean i will always love them and i will probably always surf on them but the ocean to me is just such an untapped thing that is just fascinating to me um And just in its in itself, and with the aspect of like surfing on it, like that's I'm such a I'm such a noob and a kook in in the ocean. Um, I'd love to go down that road. Um, Ideally, I'd be at a place that had both. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Going into it. Yeah. Yeah, I I
0: I struggle with the same thing because I I love the ocean and I'm I'm. I'm the same. I'm such a cougar that I don't understand it, and I want to learn it. But I get so intimidated by the the people and some of the the localism that can come from the ocean that I still have yet to experience in the river. And I'm just I'm just curious. Is that do you see that? Have you seen that unfold, or that sort of uh, have you seen localism show up in either Boise or or even Bend yet?
1: I would literally say like essentially zero, like it is so great and so awesome. Like, it's just, it's not a thing. And I've, I've talked about it a lot with people like with other wave shapers and just, um, you know, all sorts of communities. And I think my, my best theory as to why it's not a thing yet, I think we, we still need to absolutely be like proactive in, you know, fighting against it. But, um, I think kind of maybe one of the reasons it hasn't developed yet is number one, cause it's such a new sport, but also like when the bend wave, for example, is working really well or the Boise wave or any great river wave, um, it's just like kind of there, like even though it might only last for even just a day or a week or whatever, um, like when you're standing in the lineup, like it's not like watching sets come in and there's a bunch of people like fighting, over that one perfect wave of the day, like just the perfect barrel or wh- whatever it is. Like, it's just kind of there and it's not really going anywhere. So there's not that sense of urgency and not this, like, not this like coveted, like this, this wave is so good. I got to get on it right now. It's going to go away. Like, it's just, it's there. And I think that plays into it a lot, which is really great. Like, uh, I don't really see any downsides to that. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of as far as I've gotten. But yeah, essentially zero. I mean there's there's more of a rift between like we were talking about user groups, but uh, as far as as far as that like just kinda of heated inter user group um stuff, I I don't really see it much, which is so rad. So rad.
0: Yeah, I I love it too. It's always been um it's just really positive, and everyone's really welcoming. And I also like how you can everyone's standing, even if the line's long. It's just you get time to get to know each other and and talk about each other's boards, or uh, you can also watch exactly. other people's rides. And like you know, you get the the hoots and the hollers from the shore, and it just seems like this like really it's
1: super powerful.
0: Yeah. Super positive and encouraging. Yeah. And I was like, I loved when I went to Bend, everyone was so nice and every, people were willing yeah. to hold my board while I was trying to get onto the wave and, and give me well, tips. That's, that's, and
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another thing that happens all the time here is I get contacted. I get a phone call, I get an email or whatever. Someone comes and sees me and they're like, Hey, uh, I've ocean surf before, I've never river surfed, I really wanna try it. When's the best time I should go get should go down? And I'm like, Well, I don't know, the way it's great, like it's been it's gonna be great this whole week or like this whole month, whatever, go down whenever. Well, when's it not real busy? Uh, and I'm like, Yeah, it's kinda of always busy. There's always a few people there and like, uh I just wanna go down when there's no one down there. And it's like, What? <laughs> I just wanna go down when there's no one down there 'cause I don't I'm I'm scared, you know, I don't want anybody to see me like looking like to work and blah blah blah. And I just, it's so funny that it's so common and I just come back and I'm like, the best time to go down there is when there's people down there. They want you to come down there. They're going to help you. Like they're super inviting. There's no, there's there's no localism like we're saying. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. And people just kind of look at me shocked when I say that. And it's like, no, that's trust me. That's what you want to do. And then I, <laughs> I tell people too in the lineup when they're feeling like intimidated or nervous or whatever, and especially when they're feeling that way about falling, people are always like, oh, I don't want to look like an idiot. I don't want to fall and look like an idiot. And it's like, look at every single person out here surfing. Like, even the very best dude or girl out there surfing has been exactly where you're at. Like, they've fallen on their face. They've just eaten it over and over and over again. Like, every single person there has done that at some point. And, uh, and I don't know, that usually seems to get through a little bit.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, so... It's just, it's <laughs> on that
0: on that note um what advice would you give someone who's going to who wants to surf the bend wave for the first time
1: oh okay um i'd say do some research if you're not already here <laughs> um and obviously it's going to depend a lot on their <clears throat> surfing experience their white water experience all of that but um um <clears throat> Yeah. I usually say, do a little research, look up some videos, you know, stuff as simple as watching videos of people surfing it. um, Or as deep as, I mean, there's tons of like instructional videos and tutorials on the internet. There's so much crap about this wave um, that has come up in the last couple of years. And, you know, do a little bit of that, but then get the right gear and I'll go into that and go into what gear you should use and shouldn't use. And then I just honestly, yeah, it's as simple as just telling people to go down there and go down there when there's people and just introduce yourself and be like, what's up? And, um, that's, I mean, I, mean, I that's, that's as far as it usually goes.
0: Yeah, that's great. <laughs>
1: uh, and I tell them stay well in this most important things ever. <laughs> All primers, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: um, so, uh, you've surfed. You've surfed at a lot of other like natural forming waves. Have you? You've been to Lunch Counter, haven't you?
1: I actually have not. That oh, okay. is like top of my to go on, but I I have not surfed Lunch Counter.
0: Yeah, but you've been <laughs> you've been to Skook and you've been to Pipeline. I'm guessing. Um, yeah. Do you have? I mean, is there? Do you have a preference between natural waves and um, man-made ones? I know you, that's part of your job, so it might be, like, sacrilege to say that you prefer natural waves over man-made ones, but I'm just curious if you do.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, apart from all the other crap we talking, that I was talking about, um, so it's nice to, like, you know have the- computer controls to a wave you're surfing on. That's always pretty sweet. Uh, But, um, you know, I would say definitely at a park that I'm working at, there is not my preference um, for all, again, the things we talked about. They kind of go with it. It's hard to really have that, like, spiritual um, kind of surfing experience when you have a lot of other things on your mind at a park you're working at. Um, So that wouldn't be the preference. But as far as just – between um, man-made and natural, gosh, I'd, I'd I'd have to lean towards natural waves. I mean, man-made waves the the technical the technical aspects of it can be a little better and higher performing in certain cases. Um, but there's just there's, like like you said, Locksaw, for instance. I mean, it's just you're in the middle of nowhere. You're on this just beautiful wild crystal clear but like black because of it black emerald green river that's just i mean there's like mist in these in this super lush forest in it and and you're just following this little gauge number and that's kind of it and um yeah that's there's there's definitely something spiritual about that and i i, I don't think uh be in between concrete will ever will ever
0: touch that <laughs> yeah, I'm with you i think I think what can happen too with these uh with some of the man made features, especially the ones that are like perfect um some of the people there can get kind of stuck in that bubble of not really wanting to branch out or leave that that space, and I think yep. there's something so special, like you said about being out in in nature and out of town and somewhere where, I mean, this wave is just, it just happens to be there. It was just like luck of the draw, you know? And
1: right. It's, it's just... It doesn't give you that respect for it that you have to, like, put in work to get to it, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And I think it's it's great for, because especially in parks, too, it can get to a point where you start to neglect how powerful the river is and start maybe even get a little cocky and and that respect can yeah. can dwindle and so i think just going to new places and always being reminded how how powerful the river is how strong it is how important it is is so crucial yeah, yeah.
1: it's so true when when people have this like the subconscious thing that happens or maybe conscience that yeah, when you're in a man-made park, like, oh, well, obviously they've done everything possible. It's been engineered to the match to be, like, foolproof, essentially. So it's like, oh, you know, I can't get hurt. And they their, their sense of, like, self-responsibility just goes out the window. And then, again, like, kind of mirroring what we were talking about earlier, when, when then something happens, they fall and they whack their arm or they, you know, whatever, instead of going, gosh, I didn't really read that right and I should have... I should have done this or I should have done that. They come up pointing a finger like, well, why didn't you design this park better? You, you did this. Like, And it's just crazy. Versus like like the first time ever I, I struck loxah, I was solo by myself at like 11 grand or 10 grand. And I looked out at that river and I thought I was like, I was out of breath because my heart was beating so hard just looking at it. You know, I was like, man, there is no one out here except me if I screw up there's, I mean, there's no one else to point the finger at. It's me. So that forces you to take into account like every single scenario and, and every aspect of what you're about to do before you do it. And if you don't like do your due diligence and you hurt yourself, it's, it's on you. So yeah, yeah that's just a, weird, a weird thing that happens with adjustable and man-made whitewater parts. Shit.
0: Yeah. Is, <laughs> is, uh, the loxa pipeline is that your favorite wave yeah,
1: yeah. um oh.
0: yeah.
1: no I, I yeah sorry i'm just confirming uh, uh that's a tough one it's it's one of the most beautiful that's for sure um gosh <clears throat> i'm i'm thinking i'm going through idaho there's so many little fun ways and in Idaho, that I'm going, I haven't searched for years, but uh, it's up there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's pro- it's probably it's probably one of them. Yeah. I would throw a scoop in there, but it's just such another another <laughs> beast. It's kind of a category, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is because you kind of love it, but then you you kind of. You kind of hate it at the same time while you're there. At least I do. I get so yeah. freaking nervous when I'm
1: there. It's like a bombardment of emotions every time you surf that wave. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Um, cool. Well, is there anything else that you think that you'd like to talk about or that you'd like the audience to know? Um Anything that you'd like to, like to share with us?
1: I hope I didn't come across as too mean against kayakers. I love kayakers. I have amazing friends that are good kayakers. I don't think you do. Um, um, No, I think that's, uh, I think that's great. This was really, this was really fun. I enjoyed this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Thanks for being my, my first.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that That was really great. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah cool all right well thank you ryan
1: hey thank you Brittany, so much that was fun
0: yeah for sure i had a blast all right all right bye Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I did. And if you have any other questions for me or for Ryan, please feel free to leave them in the comments section, either on SoundCloud or on uh, my website. I'll include a link to uh, to a blog post on my website where you can get more information. Uh, about ryan and also some cool photos of him surfing and in his element i'm also going to include the link to the bend webcam so there you can actually watch people surfing in real time and you can if you have never heard of the bend wave or seen it this will give you a good idea of of what it's all about and what we're talking about So, yeah, please let me know if you have any questions, comments. Um, I'd love to hear from you. And if you also if you want to be on the podcast or think, you know, someone who should be, please let me know. Thanks again.